Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to PDX Executive Podcast. We're back for another episode. Uh, I think this is the second of 2021. I'm excited to have my next guest, uh, Fritz Brumder, who's the co-founder and CEO of Zipcan. Uh, he's zooming in from his camper. Uh, welcome, Fritz. Thank you. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, we've actually met once before, and I, I have a, a weird memory for these things. It was in the fall of 2010, one of those Portland Advertising Foundation lunches. Uh, it was at Kells. They have like a, they used to have like a little r- lunch kind of room above. And the speaker was Chris Murphy, who's uh, the head of digital marketing at Adidas at the time. And that's the first time I met Chris. And he and I actually, 10 years later, have become really good friends. And so you and I sat at the same table. And I remember you telling me about uh, your first company, Brand Live. And you must have probably pretty early days at that point, you know, that was very early days. Yeah. And Adidas maybe was already a client or in a pilot or something. So it's super cool to reconnect, you know, over 10 years later. Yeah. And I haven't talked to Chris recently, but that was the first time I met Chris and I worked with him multiple times after that. So yeah, I love the Portland ad federation. It seemed like such a great organization. Um, and I, I kind of, spent less time with them over the years, but, uh, they're doing great things. So I'm glad you remember that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm, I'm still getting invites to them and obviously everything's virtual now. So, well, I, I would love to kind of kick off, um, hearing about your new company. So Zipcan, uh, I would love for you just to give a little, you know, background of uh, what it is and it is pretty, pretty new too, maybe a few months in, right? Yeah. As soon as you said that, I was thinking, in 2010, that was about the same time frame as where I am today with Zipcan. You know, just getting the product off the ground. Really, um, my co-founder Spencer Lee and I uh, came up with the idea and started the company after COVID hit. So it was like April May time frame where we just barely had a prototype and started pitching it to customers, and then uh, really started to get serious uh, in the summer of 2020. Uh, raised a little bit of capital from a Cascade Seed Fund was our lead in that. And actually one of our early customers invested in Mm. Zipcan. So we had an idea for a product, a little bit of funding, uh, two customers, and we're starting to make a company out of that. And I guess in a a, a short kind of tight sentence, it would be uh, embedded chat anywhere or embedded video anywhere. Is that that right? Yeah. 
embeddable video chat is what we do. And the idea for that or kind of more of the vision and inspiration came from a couple different trends. Um, first of all, people were already doing more and more video conferencing. Obviously, once COVID happened, everybody's doing video conferencing. Right. So we realized people are going to naturally want to be on video, understand the power of being on video more often. And we figured, okay, that's going to happen in more places than just traditional video conferencing. So why don't we make a tool that allows for video chat or video conferencing in lots of different places? So mm -hmm. one of the things we say is we want to bring video chat to every corner of the web, and we're going to make it easy to embed to do that. So the more websites, the more applications that say, hey, what if we just connect our users right here rather than scheduling a meeting or, you know, not all conversations need to be meetings in the first place, right? right. What if people just need to speak for a couple minutes or you need to talk to a support person, a video chat should be able to happen there with no profile, no download, make it really quick. Yeah. So that's what Zipcan is all about. So well, let's back up a little bit. I mean, you had a, a successful... Um I guess first startup you co-founded Brand Live, which is still running today, doing doing well. And uh, I don't. You, and we were talking before we recorded. You were on a podcast with Jerry Colonna, who's who runs the Reboot uh, Reboot.io podcast. So I recommend everybody listen to Fritz on that and just that podcast in general. And when you left Brand Live, you you took a break, and I would love just to kind of get back into that and this kind of second act and. What was that transition like, like, and you know, wanting to throw yourself back into another startup? Uh, we'd love to just hear about that. Yeah. So, uh, also give a, a shout out to Jerry and the Reboot Podcast, and actually the Reboot Organization. There's a couple Portland founders that have been in either the Reboot Boot Camps or the Reboot Circles. That's how I found out about it, um, and it became a really valuable asset. And actually. During my time at BrandLive, it was helpful to understand, you know, where are we in this journey, both mm -hmm. myself and the company and things just naturally, especially in growth organizations, you, you grow up and you go through these different phases. And so not only was the company doing that, but I was also doing that. And startups are intense. And as the team size grows and the pressure grows, as uh, you have more and more investment dollars and right. bigger revenue numbers in order to generate growth on big revenue numbers, it takes a lot. So um, it was important to kind of decompress from that. And you hear it from everybody else. It's hard to do yourself, but taking space is really the only way to mm. figure out and kind of take stock of what it is you're interested in, um, why you do what you do, do you want to totally, you know, flip the script and do something totally different? Or do you want to take the experiences that you have and build on that? Mm -hmm. And there's really no right answer. So you just have to take some time to work on that. Um, and so I, of course, you know, spent time with my family, actually moved my family, <laughs> uh, kind of put down roots in Bend rather than Portland, where I'd been since 2001. Uh, but I also did a couple side passion projects. One of them was a podcast, but more it was a research project mm. to basically connect uh, coaches and leaders of teams in sports mm. and CEOs and leaders of teams in the startup world and just try to find out what are the similarities between the two that can be used to create a playbook for 
uh, growth in either one of those organizations. And so audio interviews and podcasts became one of the realizations of that research project. Right. Um, and then the other one was more just like a wacky idea that I thought I could just try. It's called wholelifemeditation.com okay. where huh. okay. the idea is to visualize your entire life in one sitting, which can take uh, four hours. Hmm. Uh, you, it can be up to an hour per, per decade. Uh, okay. And so I have like an audio um, guide basically that takes you through a visualization for your whole life. And what was the site again? Whole life meditation. Dot com? Yeah, wholelifemeditation.com. It, it's kind of a an adjacent project to Magic in the Middle, which is the sports and business project. Um, I have no background in meditation, no background in psychology. I just thought, thought of the idea. I tried it myself. I thought it was pretty cool. And then I figured, hey, this is like an easy thing. I could launch this in a couple of weeks. So I did. Well, you're speaking to the, your target market here because I'm about at the four hour mark for that if it's per decade and, I, and I'm going to I'm going to check it out. Uh, I, I love that. And, you know, you hear about, like you said, taking space and how important that is. But no one does it. <laughs> and you really took you really made the leap to do it. And um, I don't know how long that time period was. I, I, I forget. I, I know you mentioned Jerry's podcast, but was there like a point, did it take like two or three months? Did it take longer or was it almost kind of like immediate once you, and you moved too? So um, how was that? It was a solid three to four months, but I bookended it with like the transition time out of Brand Live, three to four months of just nothing. Mm. And then another three months of kind of slowly starting to build uh, Zipcam. So it was a pretty good amount of time in the grand scheme of things. And uh, I feel really fortunate that I was able to, you know, take that amount of time and some people yeah. um, in the startup world can, you know, have the benefit of taking even more. Yeah. And, and what do you recommend for people that, you know, maybe are, are un unable to take a couple months or three months, even during their working, you know, professional career to create that space? Because I'm, you know, I'm talking to a lot of leaders. They're, they're trying to find that. Obviously, it's a pretty chaotic time right now, just externally with a lot of things. Um, do you have any recommendations for that? Because we're all kind of trying to find that space or where, where to fit that in. Yeah. Number one, if you can do it, is change the location. Um, Jerry actually mentioned that his transition time, he moved into a space that he hadn't lived before. So just creating a new environment for yourself is important. Mm -hmm. um, and then for me, it was really all about going back to working on the passions. Um, part of the whole life or part of the magic in the middle concept was this personal philosophy, which I had developed based on a book I read by Pete Carroll. Mm. And I wanted to basically put that concept into practice in a shortened time frame. Mm. So it was a little bit break. It was a little bit like kind of going back to school or like doing something that was going to educate myself and progress myself. But I was doing it just by reading, interviewing people and working on a project that was research essentially. Right. And having some fun with that. So, you know, as you kind of start this new company, um, what are some things you're going to do differently? Just as from, you know, a co-founder, CEO, leading, leading a team, uh, point of view. Uh, I'd love to you share that too. Um, you know, thinking about the 
well, definitely the why. Why why am I doing this in the first place? And it goes back to that, the decision to start another company and and redo things over. Um, there's a little bit of like uh, DNA, you know, it's just what I like to do. Right. But now having made quite a bit of progress with Zipcan, you know, we've gone from concept to five team members in six to seven months. Oh, wow. And now we have a couple hundred customers and the kind of like feedback that you start to get from our beta customers utilizing the product and providing feedback and sharing what their reaction was, you realize, whoa, I can, especially in the technology space, I can create a product and have an impact in a relatively short period of time. Yeah. And that process makes the work kind of fade away. Mm. You know, it's really becomes this sort of uh, creative endeavor and uh, especially now with the co-founder that uh, I'm with now, his name is Spencer Lee. He's very different than me from a skill set perspective. He is a designer and a front-end engineer. So his ability to design and create product is like, I liken it to, you know, when you're watching a band play and the bass player and the drummer might like glance at each other yeah. and be able to like either stay with the same track or just totally take a right-hand turn and, and develop this whole new uh, music track based on creative understanding of each other. And that's kind of how we're operating, which is just a really fun process. That's a great analogy. And is, is Spencer and Bend as well, or in different part of the country, or is your team dispersed or? Um, he is in Bend. We, it's kind of funny We're we're in the same town, but We've start and we started a company together, but we have only been in person, maybe five times. Okay, yeah, since we, yeah, that's kind so, of the new norm. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, it's so weird, right? Yeah, but you know, we are a remote collaboration company. Um, our engineers are all in different locations. Actually, we just hired another one in Bend. Okay, um, cool. which was awesome that we were able to find talent that worked well for our team and at the right stage and everything. I'm sure we'll get into this, the differences between Bend and Portland, yeah. but that's one of the interesting things about Bend is there is talent all throughout the woodwork here. If you mm. dig just a little bit or get connected in any kind of any part of the Bend community, um, there, there has been a multi-year trend of talent moving to Bend and either starting companies because there's some really cool companies starting here. Um, or just working remotely. And then once COVID hit, that all accelerated. You know, I'm meeting more and more people from the Bay Area and Seattle that have amazing uh, technical and startup talent living in Bend. And you can't find them right away because everybody's obviously working from home. Right. Well, I'm uh, in an undisclosed Vacasa for two weeks in bend or a vacation community with starts with an s and i'm like i need to i need to move here man this is uh pretty crazy obviously my son's doing zoom school from here which is um complete disaster wherever we are so it might as well be here but and right. yeah let's let's get into more ben just on you know uh the work side of it but also just the living part of it i i think you have young kids or or, or i'm not sure how old they are yeah. but I'm Nine sure. And 11. Okay. So, you know, what's that been like just moving the family and it, it is a different, you know, it's different here. Uh, it's a little smaller, but there's, there's still enough where you feel there's a lot of activity. So how's it been just from a personal standpoint of, of living here? 
We definitely haven't looked back. So I mentioned we moved to Portland in 2001. That was right. from the East Coast. And and it was like utopia, man. I mean, Portland was so perfect at that time. It was a collection of small towns. I started in the film production business, which is why Portland Ad Federation you know, made sense. And I was involved in a lot of agency and content creation kind of stuff. And Portland was just a perfect mecca for that. Lots mm-hmm. and lots of people. Uh, really cool and interesting companies. And then out of that, the tech community was starting to build as well. In 2001, it was basically Intel was the tech company and there was no investors. There was uh, Portland Seed Fund didn't exist. Pi didn't exist. None of that stuff. And so uh, that was, I knew that was starting to happen and that's what excited and invigorated me about Portland. And then over the years, it just changed. You know, Portland got a lot bigger. It's not really a collection of small towns anymore. Um, it's still obviously a great and beautiful city, but it just had, um, the time had come for me and my wife and our family to do something different. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ben was a perfect fit for that because now Ben has a lot of the things that Portland had in 2001. Mm. We have some really cool and interesting talent. It's not necessarily like media and creative production, but definitely technical talent. Uh, there's investors here. There's there. You know, you need money and resources close to the location that you're going to start a company. Bend has some of those core ingredients to be able to uh, help a company grow. And you know, the thing I love about Portland and still got it is everybody's kind of one degree separation from everybody else as far as in the business world. Everybody's very welcoming for the most part. Like, hey, you want to jump on a call or when we could grab a coffee. And and I'm assuming Ben's very much like that as well, even with kind of the new quote unquote transplants. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting place because in Portland, there's so many organizations and events and, um, and you see a lot of uh, companies that on, at the outside look competitive, but they're used to me. My co-founder in brand live is Ben McKinley. He mm-hmm. runs a web development agency called cascade web development. He's very close with Ryan Buchanan who runs uh, what's now thesis, but right. was a couple different names. And there was a, there was co- competition, but they used to say it was co-opetition. Hmm. So it was like, yeah, we're competitive, but we kind of co-op and we work together to move both of the organizations forward. So that's a great culture aspect of Portland. Uh, ben doesn't have that so much. It's not that we're competitive, but you just it, things are a little bit more spread out. Like I mm. said, it's the the people and the companies are kind of in the woodwork. Right. You wouldn't necessarily know that they're there unless you go looking for them. Yeah, which is um, which I think is actually another just interesting attribute and, and fits uh, my culture a little bit more as well too. So, right. You got to work for it a little bit, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I mean, also your, your background, your competitive skier, right? So this is a great place to be as well. Yeah. yeah we, we cut our commute time to the mountain, uh, by about four you know, X. <laughs> so that's the, that's the only thing I'm a coast guy. I love going to the, you know, I lived on the coast growing up and, um, it's hard for me to kind of get away if it's more than an hour. So uh, I have to give that up to get out here. Well, a yeah. couple, you know, Fritz, a couple other things I'd love to you know, talk to you about is just kind of advice to founders during this time, whether folks are have companies that are really growing or they're struggling. 
Uh, you know, we all know certain industries we talk to, like we're, they're doing the best they ever have if they're a tech you know, company in some industries, if they're a brewery or, or you know, something like that, we're having a tough time. So um, I'd love for you to give some advice to other business owners and founders. Yeah. So first the, on the startup side, um, I've been, well, I always think about starting a company as just being really resourceful. There's tons of resources out there. Your job as a founder or a CEO is to identify what those resources are and try to bring them the ones that are most appropriate that are going to help you move the ball forward. Mm. And one that I've tapped a lot more this time around is just the basically free stuff that a lot of companies give. I mean, we have $25,000 in AWS credits. We have months free of our payroll program. We have uh, credits with all kinds of other uh, technology companies that have dramatically reduced our startup costs. And if you really are resourceful, there's, you know, 50 to a hundred thousand dollars in just tools. Now, granted, these companies want us to get hooked on their stuff and then we're going to be paying later. <laughs> but right now, resources are very thin. And if I can get it for free for a year or two years in a lot of these cases, HubSpot is another great one. Mm-hmm. We're in the Hub- HubSpot startup program. And, um, you know, we're paying 10% of what we will pay wow. you know, in a couple of years. So they really just, if you get into the right channels, um, and you know about them, you, there's an amazing startup coupon program out there. I didn't even know by. that. I mean, that that's yeah. really great advice. Yeah. Um, so what about maybe folks that have like a physical location, you know, maybe, cause I think yeah. one of your prior investments maybe was in a brewery from just looking at yes. LinkedIn. And so, you know, that world, uh, a bit. So, yeah. So, um, that was the tech advice. The more, when the business gets hit or the world just changes, right there, everybody in this term is more common in tech, but pivot, you know, you Mm got to change things obviously. Um, And there's so many great stories out there of companies that have been able to pivot. Um, Great notion is a fantastic example of that. And frankly, um, a lucky or smart one, Uh, a friend of mine from business school started that company. A few of us that happened to live on the same, uh, street, actually, the the original company is called Humboldt LLC. Okay. Because all three of the co-founders lived on Humboldt. <laughs> um, anyways, they surrounded themselves with some great people. Uh, one of them was uh, Archivist Capital, which is a investor in BrandLive. Um, and I think th- through a combination of all of that, before the pandemic even hit, they were investing in an app that basically allowed people to shop online for mm. beer, hmm. which was kind of novel at the time. And, you know, pick up, they have a great, let me just quit my notifications here. Yeah. Real quick. Um, they have a, they had a great following and a customer base. And so they built an app. There's a, uh, believe Android and Apple now, a great notion app. And mm-hmm. that has really helped them, uh, sell a lot of beer, even though they don't have breweries open. Yeah, that's that's great to hear, and that's again, that's great advice. And um, so, where do you go from here with Zipcan? What's kind of what can you share about how you're rolling out? I mean, are you still in beta, or where where are you kind of at with customers? 
Yeah, we are still in beta. We've made a decision to go very wide in our use cases, which is a little bit of a risk. Everybody, you know, another piece of advice you hear often is focus, 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 right? Pick the one set of customers or a small group of customers that you want to service really, really well. Right. We decided we're going to be uh, very good at making video chat work in a lot of places. That's going to be our focus and expertise, but we're going to go very wide on the use cases. So we actually have about um, 10 different types of customers that have already signed up and started utilizing uh, Zipcan. An obvious one, for example, is network websites mm. where they're connecting two sides of the network. Once they connect those two people, uh, they have to schedule a call or a meeting that takes place outside of that network and that platform, which is detrimental to the platform because now the two people are connected outside of the network. So right. you have all this loss and attrition of people that end up doing the thing that the network brought the two people together for. <laughs> yeah. So uh, adding video chat to that experience is, is a value add. And so we're um, you know, going deep with those customers and trying to make sure that our product roadmap and our next big release, which will happen in March, okay. aligns with their use case plus a bunch of others. Again, mm. we're kind of agnostic to what the, our customer's business is. We just want to be really good at making video chat work in their website or ecosystem. I'm excited for you. I think it's a huge opportunity. And obviously, you know this already. And it's, is it zipcan.com or .io or .com? Zipcan.com. Yeah. Okay. And so, again, right now we have a free beta. It allows you to embed video chat in your website. Um, it's really simple. Another uh, trend that we're building on is the no-code trend. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. heard yeah. much about that, but yeah. it's the more I learn about it and the more we talk to customers, it's really quite inspiring the number of people that are actually building software companies without even having an engineering team. That's wild. And, and yeah. basically the idea is, yeah, like coding, original coding and engineering is important. APIs are kind of the next extension of that. You don't have to actually build the thing. You just have to integrate with the thing. And the next logical extension is you don't even have to write the thing or integrate with the thing. You can just create the thing with a graphic user interface right. by, by setting and connections and things that are, you, you're basically pushing buttons and that's writing code for you in the background. Yeah. And so that's what we're doing at Zipcan. We're making it so that, um, you can build a video chat application that goes inside of your software without ever writing a single line of code. That's amazing. Yeah, I've, I've, there's one platform I started to mess around with, bubble.io, which is kind of a no-code platform. And it's still yep. hard for me. <laughs> Not that technical at all, but it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, really, it's really crazy how, like you said, I've been hearing like a lot of startups, they don't even have a technical co-founder necessarily now. So... Yeah. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah. And there's like the, I've seen quite a few, uh, community sites are another huge trend right now. Mm. People just building micro communities, especially off of Facebook with all the news that's happening around, you know, Facebook and the social dilemma and all of that. There's so many communities popping up. And so there's a lot of community site software that's easy to integrate and connect with. And mm. obviously when you have, a community creating a space for people to video chat inside of that community makes perfect sense. And so we've seen quite a few signups in that category as well. 
Well, selfishly, I, I run a small uh, leadership community in Portland. I need to look into this. So I, I run, yeah. there's a platform called, called Mighty Networks. So I don't know if yeah. yours integrates within, but um, I'm going to check this out for me. <laughs> yeah, there's there's Mighty Networks, there's Member Space, there's Circle.so. I've heard a lot of really good things. And okay. that was really cool. I mean, literally, we just had one of our customers take Zipcan, embed it into a Circle.so website, uh, run into some problems, but their community uh, basically figured that out in one of their forums. Hmm. And then somebody sent me that forum and was like, hey, these people in Circle.so are embedding Zipcan. You should check this out. Cool. And then all of a sudden, we started getting signups from people in that community. And now I'm connected to the founder of Circle.so. And we're talking about how to try to work awesome. together. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, well, Fritz, thanks so much for you know, doing this. Uh, it's great to connect 10 years later or whatever it is. Yeah. And just very excited for you and your, your, your new uh, your new journey. And uh, I'm excited for you being in band and I'm looking forward to learning more about the space here too. So thanks so much. Yes. Thank you, Dan. Keep doing it. It's a great thing for the community. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well. 